0: Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you here today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. And I want to introduce you to uh, the message you're going to listen to today. And it's called Actually Relax. And it's based on John chapter 6, verses 16 to 21. uh, And Jesus and the disciples, Jesus sends the disciples into this big storm, and uh, at which he shows up as the great I Am. And it's a tremendous uh, text. And it brings out a theme that is perhaps the most important theme or one of the most important themes of the whole gospel of john and that is uh relax it's believing and trusting in jesus and in fact a good modern translation of what it means to believe and to trust in the gospel of john is to relax in it's the goal of the gospel of john to create this relaxation in jesus the source of keeping all the commands of jesus is to trust him just imagine 98 times in the Gospel of John, he talks about believing and trusting in Jesus. And so um, the invitation here for you as you listen to this, uh, if you're like me, you carry lots of stress, lots of anxiety. uh, And how do I move from that into a place of relaxation? And, uh, you know, I I grew up in an anxious family. I mean, many of us did. It's so deep in me. It's so deep in our culture. Uh, What really began to change it for me was— the slow down spirituality that I drew from monasticism in 2003, and I began to enter into silence and stillness for the first time in a serious way uh, as a Christ follower. Now, at that point, I'd been a pastor for, oh my gosh, you know, um, 15, 16 years. And I preached about things uh, like silence and stillness and being, but I never really experienced them in any profound way. Uh, I knew verses, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him, uh, Psalm thirty-seven, seven didn't mean I actually lived it, and so it was it was entering the life uh, over a four-month period with monks and uh, and large chunks of time in silence and stillness that I discovered that oh man, it's uh, I have along with every other human being on the face of the earth a, a longing for silence and stillness, and God, the Holy Spirit is living inside of me, speaking and revealing Himself, and He's saying a lot, uh, and He really is inviting me to relax not to rush, uh, because he's working. The Lord is building a house. And as it says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds a house, we're we're laboring in vain. And and I learned to wait on the Lord, to relax in Jesus. And, uh, you know, we forget there's so much scripture like Habakkuk 2.20. It says, the Lord's in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And much like last week, you know, so often we feel like we're in control, but we're really not. And God's invitation to us is to trust uh, and to relax. To me, there's a there's a deep history of silence and stillness in Scripture. It goes back to uh, the beginning. When you think of Elijah, you think of Moses, you think of John the Baptist, you think of Jesus. Uh, silence and stillness of surrendering our will to God and His presence and action. Uh, it's just so, it's it, it's so foundational to actually trust and be a relaxed person in Jesus, uh, and be a, then we can be a gift to everybody around us and not be anxiety that's rubbed off. You know, it says so. We, we transmit uh, our anxiety and absorb other people's anxiety without even thinking. It's like electricity, uh, and God invites us to be kind of like circuit breakers. And so, I want to invite you to enjoy this message, and I want to invite you uh, to actually participate and join in. And this whole idea of rhythms in your life with silence and stillness of the daily office and actually Sabbath, uh, and again, join us on this journey that we call emotionally healthy discipleship, uh, the course that we are about, our mission is to change the way the church does discipleship so that we can be about making disciples who make disciples for the sake of the world. Uh, that's God's heart. That's the final command of Jesus. So we've got to get people deeply connected to Jesus, get you and myself and others relaxing in Jesus, out of which then we can also make disciples of others who do the same thing. So go to Emotionally join us uh, and enjoy this. Uh, wonderful message called Relax from John 6. God bless you. Enjoy. All right, we're in a series uh, called Vital Signs, a pathway to deep beneath the surface transformation. And our title uh, this morning is Relax, the gift of silence and stillness. So if you need a Bible, raise your hands and we'll get you one. I like to say, I want to always remind you, no iPad, we're not giving you an iPad, we love you. No, no free phones, but we'll give you a Bible. Now, it's interesting, our title is Relax, because I was supposed to actually preach this a month ago, and, uh, but I had a biking accident, some of you know that. I fell off my bike and uh, uh, broke my wrist and actually my left elbow, so I had two hands like this, you know. So, I was on a bike having a really nice time, and then three hours later, I was like getting ready to go in the operating room. And, uh, you know, all these nurses and doctors around me, I'm signing this form, like, you know, if you don't wake up in anesthesia, you know, we're not responsible. And I'm like, this is not good, you know? And <laughs> I took my blood pressure it was like through the roof. And I'm not a guy with high blood pressure, you know? And I was like, what? You know, the guy's oh, you're in shock. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so anyway, here I am thinking about preaching a sermon on relaxing. And I was stressed to the max. But I tell you, God has a sense of humor. He really does. So the opposite of being relaxed is being stressed or tense. And they say two thirds of every visit to a doctor's office is stress-related. Uh, it's like an epidemic. I was with a pastor last week, and uh, he actually in Brazil. He oversees ten thousand churches. Can you imagine? Stress, like directly, like nobody in between. And uh, he had just had a stroke. He was 51. A mild stroke. And he went to the doctor. The doctor said, there is nothing physically wrong with you. I mean, your heart, every everything in his body goes, this is pure stress related. And, uh, and so, I mean, if you're between the ages of 18 and 33 in this room, which means you're what's called a millennial, they say that 52% of you, you are under so much stress that it keeps you up at night. I see a lot of nodding heads in here. I mean, stress... Contributes to all kinds of things heart disease, liver disease, you name it, respiratory disorders, cancer, all kinds of stuff. So, and, and they say that uh, 25% of us in this room are workaholics. Okay, now, in fact, they did a big study at the University of North Carolina, and they define workaholism as a, you're overworking, you're unable to stop, and you're unable to bring balance into your life. In fact, if you're an executive in that level of, you know, in the workplace, 98% of executives work at night and on weekends or doing emails, et cetera. If you're a professional, any of the professions, uh, 94% of you work more than 50 hours a week. And so what happens in, in this workahol, if you're working too much, workaholism, you actually develop a, a physical, chemical dependency on work. And so it's kind of like cocaine that your body actually demands. And if you pull away from working, you go through withdrawal symptoms, much like drugs or, or alcohol. And so um, now, I don't, you know, we got folks from a lot of different countries here. Now, this was a, a study they did in countries whose workers take the most days off and work and countries where people take the least days off. Now, I want you to notice, Japan, five days off a year, vacation days, that's it. All right, North Korea got seven, and that's not a happy place, as we know. I mean, I mean, I want you to notice, United States and Mexico is ten. It's not a lot. So, I mean, Spain, France, Brazil—I mean, they're—they're they're 30. Okay, that's not bad. In fact, in Brazil, it's—it's it's government regulated. You get paid to go on vacation extra. so You can have a nice vacation. I like that. And uh, in fact, in the United States—most uh, people do not take their vacations, the full vacations. They say there's 577 million unused vacation days every year in the U.S. That's a lot. Now, if you, were, you some of you may use Evernote on your uh, phones or computers—the way to organize your calendar. It's an app. At Evernote, if you work for Evernote, they actually give you incentives so that you will take your vacation time. I like that. I don't think they're in New York. That's the problem. I think we're there. <laughs> so it's interesting, we work most, we work more than most other countries. I mean, it's in the bloodstream here. So now the world offers a lot of ways to relax, right? I mean, you go on go to Cancun, go to Dominican Republic, you know, go to a spa, go to spa castle in College Point, you know. Get your massage done, go to the beach, go hiking, nature, whatever you do. And that's all good. Libraries. I was at a bookstore book the other day. I was like, I just, books just make me feel relaxed. You know, I just feel nice. And that's all good. But the Bible actually and, and Jesus actually offer us uh, a means of relaxing that is much deeper. And it's internal and it's so deep that if we will learn it, it regardless of what the external circumstances are around you, you are relaxed. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're on vacation or not, it's, it's a depth of relaxation that if you'll get it and, and allow God to build this into your life, it will transform you all the time. Okay, so here's our text. Our text comes from John 6. So if you have your Bibles, turn to that text or phone. John 6, 16 to 21. It's one of the stories of Jesus in the storm. And it's a very popular story. This may be a, a different storm, uh, they were in a few different storms. Storms. Jesus has a tendency to send his people into storms. Have you found that out yet? He kind of gets you in a boat. He throws you out into a storm. Everything's going good. So you can count on that. So here's, thus says the Lord. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing And the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. And they were frightened. Some versions say they were terrified. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading again let me say it one time he said to them it is I don't be afraid then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading all right let's begin this message with a question what anxieties or fears are you carrying today okay I want you to think of one or two big ones Somebody's of somebody I am about 30 or 40, all right? Now, I just want one or two right now. What anxieties or fears are you carrying today? Health, could be your parents, your children, a relationship, maybe somebody's upset with you, uh, maybe it's you're getting into a school, maybe it's work-related, your boss or employees or coworkers, uh, maybe it's your future, uh, perhaps it's, it's financial, uh, I don't know. But what is something you're carrying today? Just keep that in mind and hold that. What, what's your storm? Because... Uh, the, the nice thing about the story is the context. It, it, it's, it's dark, it's a strong wind blowing, and the waters are rough. It's a nice description um, of, of life, being in the middle of the sea, and it feels like Jesus is absent. And Because uh, we all have those times of anxiety, where it's dark, it's stormy, it's windy, you feel shaken. Where's this whole thing going? And it's interesting, because what happens is Jesus shows up. He approaches the boat, he's walking on the water, and says they were frightened. Now, it, it actually says literally, they were terrified. Now, I, I've never been, you know, that completely dark, three more, four four miles out. And, you know, you know, people don't walk on water, obviously. I mean, you know, I mean, Jesus walking on the water and, uh, you know, heavy bodies are supposed to sink and uh, Jesus is walking on it and it is, it's just frightening to them. And, and so Jesus says to them, you know, it is I, you know, you don't be terrified. Don't be afraid. Tremendous words here. And he reveals himself as this, you know, it it is I. Let me go back for a second. It is I right here. Now, that literally in the original language is I am. And he reveals himself as uh, the I am. That is like the, that is the name, a core name for God in the Old Testament. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in Exodus 3 when God reveals himself to Moses. He says, who are you? And God says, I am. That's the name repeated throughout the Old Testament. God reveals reveal himself. Who are you? I am. I just, I am. Past, present, future, all wrapped in one. I just am the eternal God of the universe. And Jesus walking on water and he reveals himself as, I am. Don't be afraid. That's it. Now, when something happens here. It says, Then they were willing to take him into the boat. I want you to catch this. They didn't have to take him into the boat. They're going to just remain terrified and anxious and stressed. But they made a decision to trust him. And they invite him in the boat. Now, I want you to catch it. There's two miracles in the story. One is he's walking on water. That's a miracle. But there's a second miracle in the miracle. They invite him in the boat, and it says immediately the boat reaches the shore. Catch that? Immediately invite Jesus in, boom, they're there. It's a great truth here. When you invite Jesus into your boat, you reach your destination. You've arrived, it's done. They invite him in the boat, they're on the other side already. It's an incredible, deep, profound, simple truth. When we take Jesus into our lives, when we're willing we're going to call it to trust him, which they decide at that point. At that moment of your trusting, inviting him in, you actually have arrived already at your destination. Now, the whole purpose of the Gospel of John, and actually the whole purpose of the New Testament, is that you and I would trust Jesus. So only not very complicated, that you'll trust him. You'll invite him in the boat. Now, actually, the Gospel of John itself, 98 times we're invited to to believe in Jesus, or to to actually believe means to trust in Jesus. The end of the Gospel, the Apostle John writes, Jesus performed many other signs. He has a write in the whole book. Turn water into wine, you know, and heal the paralytic, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe, or the word actually in the original is that you may trust that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing, that is trusting over and over and over, you may have life in his name. Do you understand? It's, it's in trusting Jesus. When you invite him, it's the night. I love the image of inviting him in the boat, whatever you're going through today. You'll trust him and invite him in, you'll arrive. The seas calm, the light shines, the wind stops, you have arrived regardless of what's happening exteriorly here. So one of the scholars that Rich and I love the most is a guy named Frederick Bruner. He's a brilliant scholar, writes commentaries, and he's probably our favorite of all are out there. And here's what he writes about this word believing or trusting uh, in in one of his great commentaries. He goes, relaxing in is a good modern translation of trusting in or believing in. It is the goal of the entire gospel of John to create this relaxation. In fact, he writes later, he goes, if you're relaxed, it's actually the source of obeying all his commands. Because you're fine. He'll take care of it. I'll do what he says. So, listen, I I understand that when I became a Christian, I trusted in Jesus. I I believe he died for my sins. He rose from the dead. And I became a Christian. I, I receive you, Lord. I trust you, Jesus. Come into my life. That's trusting. But... The point of this text, the point of the whole Gospel of John is it's not just something you do once to become a Christian. It is really the whole Christian life is over and over and over again on a daily basis, you and I are making a decision to trust him. We're making a decision to let him in the boat and come on in, Jesus. That is the essence. That's that's why we're here today. That's why everything we do at New Life is to move you to trust in Jesus. Every time you read scripture and you're worshiping, you're in small group, you're serving—all the things we talk about here at church on Sundays. It is about trusting Jesus. I love it. Now, here's the problem: the world is filled with anxiety. I mean, we're surrounded by it—stress and sweating—and I mean, I mean, that's us. Physically, all these aches and pains and just stressed out. I mean, I love that picture. I that I mean, I, I, I get it. And and what God's after is is to so transform you that you become this. (laughs) And if you don't like dogs, you become this. (laughs) For all you cat lovers in there. Or you become this. (laughs) But I like this the best. Now, if I could summarize the one thing I want you to walk out of here with, and this was to me the the, the turning point of this text was, how do I know if I'm trusting? Trusting in Jesus equals relaxing in Jesus. And the reason that word relaxing I found so helpful because I can get a hold of that relaxing thing. In other words, I, I I can monitor that. Your body feels it way before your mind gets it. Your, your body can feel the, the, the sweating, the, you know, your stomach's tense, your shoulders are tight, your neck feels it. Your body feels the adrenaline in it. And so the invitation here is, is, to, is to relax. So, so I thought when Jesus says, I am, you know, don't be terrified. Let me go back for a second. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he actually says it later in this chapter. Whoever comes to me, this is this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes over and over to me will never be hungry. And whoever trusts over and over, will never, ever be thirsty. Here's what He's saying, if you will learn to trust in Jesus, the simple, over and over again, he says, trusting people will never hunger or thirst for anything else in life. Now, you may have goals and things you want to do and all that, but if you'll be trusting Jesus, inviting him into the boat as an image here, Jesus says, you will be incredibly content. You will be so happy and joyful, you will want for nothing else because you have everything you realize life could possibly offer. You have him in the boat. You have Jesus. You know, the definition we call of, of, of loving union is that we want to be inviting Jesus' presence and will into our lives. It's easy to, quote, go to church and, and be a Christian, read the Bible, but everything's out there. And Jesus talked about that in Matthew 7. Many will come in the end times and say, I cast demons out in your name. I prophesy in your name. And I did miracles in your name. And Jesus says, I don't even know who you are. Who are you? And Jesus, I never knew you because she says, you never let me in. You always had a wall up. You didn't let me in the boat. Listen, how many of you today are looking for guidance for the future? So I'd like to know like what to do what school to go to and should I marry or who do I marry and do I date this person or do I move here and how do, I set, how do I prioritize my money and how do I set priorities for my life and what do I do this summer, all this stuff. And here's a great insight. You know, they came to Jesus in John 14 and say, Jesus, Thomas says, we don't have the foggiest idea of where you're going. Like, what are you doing? Where, where are we going here? Looking for guidance. And Jesus has this great words. He goes, you want guidance? He says, I am the way. Just think about that. You want to know where to go? Jesus says, I am the way, come to me. That's it, I'll take care of the rest. I don't know where to go, come to me, I am the way. I'm what you're looking for, I'm your destination, I'm everything your heart longs for, I am the way. And if you have that, he is the direction you're looking for, you gotta invite him in the boat. So I love when Jesus says, I am, he says to you and I, don't be terrified. Now listen, I don't know your family and your culture and where you grew up, but you know, I mean, I know anxiety. My, my mother had a PhD in anxiety. I mean, talk about genogram, um, it's in my DNA. And we pass it on in families and cultures. I mean, I remember my mother had, some, my mother, my mother had anxiety about everything. I mean, I, I remember I played high school basketball and my mother was into psychics and gypsies and all that stuff, you know, tarot cards. She was all kinds of craziness. And I remember I my mother coming to me and I had a basketball game like in another town. And she screamed, you can't go. I said, why, why can't I go? She goes, the bus is going to crash. I said, how are you the bus is going to It's a bad luck if you get on that bus. And she's screaming at me, all right. But I live like this, you know, like this. Hey, mom, I'm getting on the bus. I'm going to play the game, you know. But my mother, my family had so much anxiety about so many things. I mean, I about new situations, about rain, about sunshine, about success, about failure, about the future, about the past. I mean, it was just. I mean, you know, what overfunctioning is overfunctioning is doing for other people what they can and should do for themselves. Some of you are overfunctioners in relationships, at home, at work. That's all about anxiety because you're afraid it's going to fall apart if you don't do it. So you hate them and you hate yourself. You're oh, you just—it's all anxiety. And, and so, you know, I, I was on the line getting a ticket for the Long Island Railroad the other day. I was in Penn Station, and it was like a little, you know, it was like six, seven people. And the guy, in, the guy in front of me was so anxious. I mean, he went into anger because this woman was using coins, the exact change, to get her ticket, and it wasn't going real well. And she couldn't find it, and he is, I mean, he is flipping. I'm thinking, You're lying. You're lying, man. I'm doing a sermon, i relaxing in a few days. I mean, it's going to be all right, you know? But I'm just watching him and I'm like, wow, I mean, this is where we live. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere, right? I mean, I got an uncle, my, my, my uncle, they don't get on airplanes. I mean, he's 79, he's still, he, he got an airplane once in his 20s, that was it. I mean, a little, little turbulence, that was the end of that. Now his wife, his kids, nobody gets on planes in this Cazaro family. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, so I'm saying, I understand anxiety. I mean, I barely trust Google Maps and Waze. And they got satellites up there watching. I'm like, how do they know? You know, how do they know? I, I get, when I get lost, like, outside of New York, I get very nervous. My wife knows. Like, my body begins to, like, freak out. Like, like, where are we? There's no streetlights here. And, you know, I just don't, everybody knows what's happening here. And I, so it's funny. You can trust Jesus and become a Christian, but still have a lot of anxiety in your, in your system. And see, the invitation of this text is, no, we are invited to live a life relaxed in Jesus. That's discipleship over and over again. So it was actually in 2003 that I began to understand this. I I began to get it. And I I took a sabbatical, Jerry and I, for four months, and we were going to monasteries to learn from them, and and that's I my my first experience of silence and stillness. It was really from the monks. And I remember, like, like, whoa! Like, I could feel my body change. I could feel what it meant to actually be relaxed and to let go. But it was in the context of these rhythms with silence and, and, and solitude. Uh, and so, I mean, it's funny, because I, I knew the verses, like, you know, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. I knew Psalm 37, uh, 7, where it says, uh, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So, So this idea of, being silent and still before God is actually commanded in Scripture. But I just never did it. I I knew it intellectually, but it wasn't part of my life. But that's when I began to actually do some and began to say, whoa, this this relaxing in Jesus, uh, silence and stillness, it it needs that to actually relax. Without that peace, it's not going to happen. And I I realized at that point, not just, I'm, I'm a high extrovert, and I realized it's not just for introverts, Like, every human being has a dimension that longs for stillness and silence. Every one of us in this room, regardless of your personality or temperament or particular occupation. And I realized that the Holy Spirit's inside of me, not just outside. I realized, you know what, God is saying a lot if I would just shut up and be silent. I I was shocked how much God was talking. I had no idea. Then I realized God's working even when I'm not working. He's doing a ton of stuff apart from me. And, uh, and that waiting on him is a lot different than waiting for him to do something for me. So it was very life-changing, this relaxing into Jesus. Now, we've been in a series, you know, so the question is, am I relaxed in my body? And so you want to know, am I trusting Jesus? I want you to move that question to, am I actually relaxed? And so we've been in this series on the several, seven vital signs of a deep-beneath-the-surface spirituality, and Rich gave a couple sermons on scripture, and then Sabbath, and last week, uh, Greg talked about spiritual companions and our need for that. But what we want to say to you is that for a deep spirituality in a place like New York, in a place like in the Western world, silence and stillness needs to somehow be in every one of our lives. We have to figure out what is that going to look like for you and for me if we're going to actually live a life of trusting and relaxing in Jesus. Now, it's going to look different for all of us, but how do I get that in? I love when the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, the context in in the Old Testament, the the, the Babylonians are about to come and wipe out Israel. It's like ISIS being on the doors of New York, and they're about to come in and wipe the city out. And Habakkuk, the prophet, says, why, God, why are you allowing this? What's going on? Where are you? And here's what God says to Habakkuk. He says, Habakkuk, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him the Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent before him. Habakkuk 2.20. In other words, I am, do not be afraid. Be silent and be still. I've got everything under control. Relax. Love that. Now, listen, Jesus likes to test us from time to time by bringing us into difficult, sometimes it feels like impossible situations. So the question is, how can I trust in Jesus in those situations? How can I relax in Jesus? And so today I want to close by inviting you to to stillness and and solitude. Now, uh, it's the way I measure myself. So what's interesting is that I didn't just have six weeks ago this biking accident where I was in two casts. I mean, it was was terrible. I hurt my foot. I mean, I was limping. I'm like, you know. And then on top of that, about two weeks later, uh, my identity got stolen. You've heard about it in the newspapers. I mean, that never happened to me. But on such a level that every single thing in my life, from banks, my bank account, to credit cards, to Skype, to Amazon, uh, everything got broken into. Because then I got a, got a copy of my passport picture. I mean, it was I was getting phone calls from 8 a.m. in the morning to 10, 11 o'clock at night dealing with fraud issues and thousands of dollars being spent on my name, banks are telling me, you overdrawn your account, and I'm saying, I don't even have an account with you, how do I overdraw your account, you know? It was that kind of a thing. And it was so intense, I was like under siege. It lasted about two weeks, I mean, don't worry, it's over now, it's over now. And actually, we found out from which country it came, so if I don't talk to you at the end of the service, I, (laughs) I just need a little break right now. But, I mean, when I tell you that, like, and not only was I, you know, limping around, but I was, like, now under siege. And it was, like, four people at New Life, like, working with me to close all the doors. because so we'd shut one door, and they'd come in another door. And they were coming from every... And it took, like, for two days, four of us were working day and night. And it finally closed it all up, and we're okay, you know? But I love you, but I just need a break right now. Give you... But it really was interesting, because the, I'm telling you, and I've been working on silence and stillness, and I'm still growing in it, just so you know. I mean, I... But the, the, it, was like a, it was like a full frontal storm, you know? And I just remember saying to myself, I can't imagine if I didn't have some dimension of silence and stillness in my life, at least some practices and some disciplines. I don't know what would have happened to me because the stress level, I mean, the anxiety level was, you know, was quite high. So what we do in silence and stillness is we actually, like, as, as followers of Jesus, we express our intention to surrender to the presence and the action of Jesus in our lives. In other words, the storm's going on, we're going to be still, and we're saying, okay, Jesus, basically, I'm inviting you in. I'm opening up myself to you in stillness and silence that you're God. It's a spiritual practice. Now, um, that's why for us at New Life, we know once you taste it, if we can get you over a line to actually taste stillness and silence, it will pull you forward, and you can't live with it. You, you will not be able to live without it. Now, I, actually, every morning, I do 20 minutes. I set my timer on my phone. I do 20 minutes as part of my spiritual practice with Scripture and everything else. And, and uh, But during the day, I have these, maybe a minute, three minutes here, five minutes here. I just I need moments of silence just to trust in Jesus. Because my life, like your life, a lot of stuff's whirling around. And I just want to get myself, okay, Jesus, come onto the boat. And, uh, you know, it anchors me. That's why our EHS course that we do at New Life for everybody in our church goes through it. But one of the core things of our EHS course is you begin what's called daily offices, two minutes of silence uh, in the beginning and the end and twice a day for eight weeks because we are initiating people into silence. And I'll tell you, every course we do here, people say, this is so hard. This doesn't work for me. It's terrible, you know. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Relax, you know. And uh, because we understand that we're rewiring your whole body, we understand the depth of transformation we are seeking to lead you into. And it is challenging initially. It feels like you're going to go under the water if you open up. Now, this now in the culture, this is called they, they call it a form of silence. Silence and stillness is a spiritual formation discipline. It's something in Scripture. But what you have in the culture right now is something called mindfulness. Have you all heard of mindfulness? It's like the big buzzword and the rage of the culture. And uh, mindfulness is, you know, it's it's basically silence and stillness without God, and you know there's benefits to it, and 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 so kindergartens are doing it, schools are doing mindfulness, prisons do mindfulness, hospitals do mindfulness, sports teams do mindfulness, workplaces do mindfulness, hip hop artists do mindfulness. All right, and so the Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl recently. And there was a big article, and a number of articles written about it, how, how, it's, the article said how meditation won the Super Bowl. Because what the coach did was he hired a sports psychiatrist or psychologist to teach the players meditation or mindfulness over a couple of year period. And they, they, their Super Bowl final game was almost flawless. And everyone said, how did you do it? He says, meditation, you know. And uh, you know, this whole idea of becoming aware and, and balanced, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what's interesting is this mindfulness thing, which is now the big thing in the culture, all these studies have been done on. It. I mean, there's so many studies how if you will be silent and still, now I'll say before God, and you'll do it for like say eight weeks, just even five minutes a day, it will transform and change your brain. Physically, you'll, feel, you'll be relaxed, you won't be as triggered, you'll be more aware. Things happen to us in our bodies because God built us, you understand? Your physical body, your emotional person, your spirituality, you were created for a dimension of your life to have some silence and solitude. Only it was meant to be before the Lord. We're not Buddhists, we're not Hindus, we're not folks who believe, believe in God. This was created by God as a gift for us. Now the culture can benefit and that's wonderful, God bless them, I'm happy they're doing mindfulness. I'm like, oh, I'm all, that's fine. But for us, this is a core spiritual practice and a way that God transforms us. So what I want to do is I want to, we're actually gonna do it together here. And um, we're gonna practice stillness and solitude just for a few minutes. Because you don't understand like just the fact that you do it is trust. If you'll do it in the presence of God. See what makes us unique and you're gonna hear about people doing mindfulness and I'm really happy it's being used in schools and urban areas. I think it's great. I think I'm all for it. But I want to fill the content with its origin with its origin with this God. Who fills the universe with his love and his presence. And we of all people should be the most relaxed folks in the culture. Could you imagine saying, look at those Christians? How relaxed they are. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine such a thing? I'm scared. They look at us, like, these people are crazy over there, out of control, you know? So, all right, here's what we're gonna do. And we've done this before, so some of you are new here, and and uh, so so your invitation is this. I'm going to invite you to to uh, we'll just do two minutes, all right? Together, I'm going to encourage you at home. I want to invite you to do five minutes a day to start five, and then maybe build up to ten or fifteen. But just start with five. That's going to be very difficult in the beginning because your mind is going to be flooded. Your mind's going to start racing, and that's okay. My my mind races, you know, often also. And so what you're going to do is. In fact, even as I'm talking around, right I just take a nice couple of deep breaths, you know? And the Eastern Orthodox churches of the Eastern part of the world, they are really into the breath of God and really into breathing prayer, they call it. You know, breathe in, breath of God through your nose and, you know, breathe out. And essentially, even as you do that, you feel it in your body like... Now, as... Thoughts begin to come into your mind about lunch and laundry and emails and texts and all that stuff. Every time that happens, just let it float by. And just what I do is I, I just say, oh, I get distracted. Like, oh, Jesus. I'm before Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Or Abba, Father. I'm just, I'm allowing myself to just be loved by him. I'm being still and, and silent before him as he invites me to. And I'm just, I'm allowing him to love me. I'm not trying to accomplish anything. I'm simply trying to be with him, okay? So we're going to take two minutes. I'll be the timekeeper. And so you want to close your eyes. I like to put my hands up, I'm sorry, like this. I like to put my hands up like this on my lap because it's, a, it's for me, it's an expression of inviting Jesus in my boat. Like, okay, Jesus, come on in. I invite your presence and your will and whatever actions you want to take in me and through me, I'm open. Let's close our eyes before him and let's begin. Amen. Let me invite the worship team forward. Now, I put... if you put the PowerPoint back up. Michael, that be great. Now, I put on at least my uh, Facebook and Twitter, and I'll ask New Life Fellowship to do the same, uh, there's a, a sheet I wrote called 10 FAQs to Practicing Silence on the EmotionallyHealthy.org website, Going Deeper, Sabbath Resources. And it answers questions like, what do I do when my mind wanders? I don't have a quiet place at house or work. What do I do? Uh, what do I do if I don't have enough time and I feel rushed, et cetera, et cetera. But I can tell you this, if you will learn to relax in Jesus, um, your whole life will be changed. And in fact, you're going to impact everybody around you because you know all this anxiety comes at you like, a, like, like electricity on a circuit breaker and you just, you just absorb it and you're able to stop it like Jesus did right there. Now, New York City was voted by CNN Money the number one most stressed out city in the country. Okay, you live there. Now, you can move, but the problem is you go there, too. You know, it's inside of you. It's deeper than exterior. So uh, we need each other for this. We really do. Uh, But rest assured, if you're not in a storm now, you will be. You will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We all do. But the 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 invitation of God is this, to move from that to that. (laughs) I want to invite you all to stand with me. And you may be afraid of silence because stuff will come up. It's a storm, but you will find that he is there. And as Jesus says, silence is welcoming Jesus into the boat. It's relaxing where he says, I am, don't be terrified. It's gonna be okay. Let's worship together. As we close here, we've got the Lord's table to your right. We've got some prayer teams to your left. So I don't know where you are today, but I do have news for you that God brought you here. And he sees right where you are. And it's Jesus coming to you and saying, you know what I am, you know, don't be terrified. You know, don't be afraid. So last week we talked about the need for us to have spiritual companions. We, we can't do this thing alone. So let have some prayer teams to your left. And I wanna invite you, regardless of where you are in that journey right now, there are times we just need other people to pray for us we just need other people to carry us to God and I want to invite you to come forward for prayer don't rush out they'll be here to your left and you want to just receive you know you're just inviting Jesus in the boat I'm going to relax Lord as best I can but I even need some other people to come and help me because I'm that I got that much going on inside of me that much anxiety but Lord help me to relax and trust to let go in you and He'll take care of the rest. He'll bring you to your destination. You will find out that he really is the way. And just having him in that boat is enough to have really arrived. All right, so as we close here, I invite you to open your hands up towards heaven. I want to speak a blessing and be dismissed. You want to, again, just receive right now. So may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine on you. And may the Holy Spirit breathe on you now to just calm you down, to help you see Jesus walking towards you on water, that you might hear his voice as, I am, don't be afraid. And may his peace flood your being. May his peace flood you to overflowing that you might know a depth of transformation that would break every unhealthy commandment, a thing you've learned from your culture and your family growing up, whatever it might be, that you might be set free in Jesus. That you might leave here and offer a gift to the world of Christ Jesus inside of you, who has freed you and taught you a new way. And may God give you grace to, to walk this path of integrating a dimension of silence and stillness in your life somehow and may he lead you, may you be blessed, and then may you be a blessing. So I pray that over all of you in the name of Jesus as you leave here. And everybody said,